This is FX2, and I am bringing you a new episode, A Murder of Musicians. Welcome. So that song was a remix of one of the greatest, most influential groups in hip-hop history. And if you do not know who that was, you're going to be pleasantly surprised because today's episode is going to focus on the beginnings of everything. So we're going to be talking about hip hop start. Where did it start? How did it start? Who were the players? And why we should know our history. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of millennials out there who are not, I'm not knocking you, you aren't, you know, like us, older folks who had a different life style, a different way of communication than you did. So you're going to need to open your mind and use your imagination a little bit as we take a ride back in time and learn a little bit more about the hip-hop culture and how it got to be where it is today and how that affects you and why you should Pay attention to all those people who paved the road before you. 
the pioneers of this hip-hop rap game, whatever you want to call it, whatever genre of, you know, subgenre of rap, I must say, trap, you know, drill, whatever, whatever, you know, everybody has some label that they want to put it on, but I'm getting to talk about the history of how hip-hop started, and most people aren't aware or they think they might know but they don't so just sit back and relax i hope you enjoyed that intro it was by the old heads and dj benny blends the link for old heads music is in the episode bio check them out thank you for that because you inspired this episode. And what I wanted to also say before we begin is thank you so much for the support. And remember, we have a website too, so you can sign up and join the community because that's what we're trying to accomplish is recreation of what had happened Back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City. I'm coming to you from New York City now. Okay, not exactly in the places that we'll be talking about, but, you know, I'm right there right now. So if anyone's out there and wants to start the community or get involved more with the community... Check out the website, links in the bio. It's free. Do it. So here we go. I want to just dial back the clock. It's the 1970s. And hip-hop as a music and cultural movement started to begin in the South Bronx of New York City in the 1970s, the South Bronx is very close to Manhattan, upper Manhattan, and right in between, or basically South Bronx, the beginning is Harlem, if you weren't aware. And that's where music that we love, the hip hop genre started. And by the late 1980s, Hip-hop had become a mainstream phenomenon, and its popularity was just rapidly growing. I mean, exponentially. It was almost like if something were to go viral in today's day and age. So, in the early days of hip-hop, how did they get to network? Well, they didn't have the internet they didn't have social media. What they had is what I miss. Block parties. A block party in the city, any borough, is off the hook. If you've never been to one, go to one, but go to the ones that you will end up being a victim at. 
I don't know, the city's a mess right now. <laughs> but anyway, the block parties were just bomb parties, man. People were just spinning records for a lot of people outside to dance to. And that is how the DJ culture played a major role in the development of the genre hip-hop. I'm not talking about just anybody jumping up on a stage with a turntable and playing music. No, these were more of the innovative, I gotta say right now, legends of the game. Guys like DJs Cool Herc, Africa Bombada, and Grandmaster Flash. Yo, those were the pioneers, man. I mean, they started looping and scratching records. They were doing shit that was never done before. Who in their right mind, in back then, the time of vinyl with turntables, is going to think to scratch their own record? Ruin, ruin the needle on their turntable. Yo, these guys took chances. And those chances that they took, well, they changed a culture. They gave hope to everybody in New York City around that time. It gave them something to hold on to and embrace and turn into a communal, collective, cultural experience. So the beginnings of hip-hop is not concerned with who, what, when, where. It's just the why. Why was it so important? It's because... It gave people, especially in those projects all over the five boroughs, the opportunity to wild out for a night, you know, and get down and feel that in their soul with their neighbors and then bond together. And that's when people started to recognize how artistic that community was. And... You know, the late 80s came around, and then hip-hop entered into a new era altogether. Uh, the, the emergence of a rap music commercial force took over, and the music industry began to take notice of hip-hop, and major record labels started signing up rap artists, leading to the release of numerous hip-hop albums that all achieved commercial success. So what did that tell them? Keep the money train going, and this hip-hop rap culture is going to be a gold mine one day. Now, remember who we're talking about in the music industry back then. 
those folks who did injustices to a lot of musicians and took a lot of money and stole a lot of lot of creative copyrights from a uh, too many too many musicians they fucked over too many musicians and they really should come to terms with that and if anyone is wondering why that impacted me so much it's because you know if you've had experiences in the music industry especially back then or a little bit after you only dealt with a few people who were all connected with each other they were community I think they were all the same religion or something and I won't get into that uh, what they what they did though was they created a monopoly by taking over the music industry with the advent of hip-hop, right? So this hip-hop culture that they heard so much about in New York City especially. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people are loving this stuff and they're buying demos from people and... You know, everybody's out there hustling their own albums and they're making a ton of money. And in the back of those minds of those individuals, they saw dollar signs flash. And what did they do? They came in and they leveled up those musicians. So they took them off the streets and they put them in the mainstream and created the demand for hip-hop and rap, especially across America. So that was their goal, and it was successful. Now, don't think that I am speaking so badly about those people who did that, because they did injustices to the musicians, and that is documented in history. However... Without them, hip-hop, especially rap, would never have taken over America the way that it did. So, it's a double-edged sword. You know, look where we are now, though. Okay, people are putting up music on the internet, and we can hear it instantaneously across America, or even across... I hate to say, the entire world. It's just internationally recognizable instantaneously. And that's the difference now than it was back then. If it was like that back then, there wouldn't have been any of those injustices done to the musicians and the recording artists, the creatives who had a lot of rights stolen from them, a lot of money stolen from them. Because they would have been doing it the way that we're doing it now today. Um, one of the most influential rap albums in the late 1980s was Run DMC's Raising Hell. 
that came out in 1986 okay so remember when i'm associating those um record companies to the rap industry i am talking about the people who once were in charge of you know elvis presley and dolly parted and johnny cash and all these iconic american figures who you know transformed a generation and they made a lot of money the record companies and when the generation after those folks who listened to that type of music grew up well the music changed and what was catching fire was that album raising hell in 1986 huge 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 commercial success and it quite frankly helped to establish rap as a legitimate genre of music in my opinion Additionally, I would say that Run DMC's collaboration with Aerosmith on the hit song, single rather, it was uh, called Walk This Way. And it helped to bring hip-hop to an even broader and wider audience than ever before. So in my opinion, those two experiences that occurred, the release of Raising Hell in 86 and then the collaboration with Aerosmith were the catalyst behind the driving force that became the 90s hip-hop, rap, gangster rap, culture, whatever you want to refer to it as. But still in the 80s, you have to remember that hip-hop culture also started to gain recognition and influence in other areas like fashion and art, okay? Dance started up. So that was such a beautiful time in history especially here in New York City. As a New Yorker, it gives me chills inside to reminisce about how amazing the culture of New York City was back then. How we work together as a community. Everybody helps every else because nobody else is going to help them, right? They put everybody in the projects and they let them just be without any help. They only came in when they needed to make arrests or bust down the hustles that kept that culture going and thank God, hip-hop and rap started to emerge in that time period because it brought together a group of people who 
would influence rap, hip-hop, freestyle, any type of music that's associated as a subgenre now of rap and hip-hop came from the Wu-Tang Clan. And they have been one of my biggest inspirations growing up. I was just about in high school when the album came out, 36 Chambers, you know. Wow, what else can I say about the group besides how amazing their story is? I mean, do, do you guys know how Wu-Tang started out? Well, the group was founded by RZA, who was a pioneer in the game. Uh, all in Together Now crew. RZA, Giza, and ODB. Those were the three cousins from the Stapleton Houses project in Staten Island, who, you know, brought together a group of nine MCs, right? Each with their own unique style and their own personality. Oh, man. The Wu-Tang Clan's name was inspired by kung fu clips. You know, they'd be watching, hanging out, chilling, watching old kung fu flicks in Chinese and Japanese and shit. And that's where the Shaolin became an integral part of Wu-Tang Clan. Not just as a way for them to embrace what influenced them, but the philosophy of using their music as a form of self-expression and artistic expression is symbolized in those Eastern philosophies. Oh man, their debut album, like I said, 36 Chambers, was released in 93, and that was a straight-up game-changer. Alright, the combination of hardcore rap, soul samples, and, and my favorite is like kung fu movie references, just set it apart. There was nothing else out there close to the Wu-Tang Clan. 36 Chambers stamped a new day in history for rap. 1993 is when it changed. Okay, I say game changer and I mean game fucking changer, life fucking changer, cultural influential changing of a massive audience of hip hop people who were fans of the 80s like Grandmaster Flash and all the DJs back then and breakdancing community, well, they embraced the Wu-Tang Clan because of just how they just brought a whole new level of swag and style to the game, you know? It was like, ah, oh, 
each member of the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, each one is phenomenal. They all went on to release successful solo albums, but they never lost that Wu-Tang chemistry. All right, whether or not they were working together or they're working on their own shit, they just continued to innovate and push the boundaries of hip-hop without stopping or giving a shit. I mean, they took took hip-hop wherever they wanted because everybody was embraced and ready to go on a ride with them in the rap community, so to speak. So that's the story of the Wu-Tang Clan. And these days, their impact on hip-hop music and culture is still being felt. I mean, they set the bar for what it means to be a hip-hop group. And their music continues to inspire new generations of artists. That's why, if you haven't listened to Wu-Tang, or you haven't listened to that album, 36 Chambers, in a minute... Do it. Don't listen to one song. Listen listen to the whole album. You know, start to finish. Listen to the skits. Don't forget the skits. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to get into them, but let's just say as a teenager, little teenage boy growing up, right? That was the funniest shit I ever heard. <laughs> I still remember it to this day. Oh my goodness. So, that was little bit of history about hip-hop and the cultural community and how it started. I thank you for joining me, FX2, for another episode of A Murder of Musicians.